Hello, and welcome to Weekly Wholesome Words with Pastor Josh Grilecki of Twin Cities Grace Fellowship. Join Pastor Josh each week as he gives further insight into God's Word. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in this week to Weekly Wholesome Words. We're going to continue on with the issue of good works. We've essentially done two things in the past two weeks. We've briefly highlighted the reality that we are to be involved in good works in this dispensation of grace. We saw in passages like Ephesians chapter 2, Titus chapter 2, Titus chapter 3, that we are created in Christ Jesus. We're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And we are his peculiar people that he has redeemed us from his iniquity, that he has purified unto himself and therefore we are his peculiar people and what characterizes the peculiarness of his people is we are zealous of good works and in light of that we ought to be careful to maintain good works and then we looked at the recipe for good works and the recipe for good works is one god's grace that ought to be the obvious first component of any recipe of anything that we can be involved in in this dispensation of grace knowing that who we are by nature anything that we are going to be able to do unto God or for God is ultimately generated by what he's provided for us instead of our own fleshly and weak capacity to do anything of the flesh, which is just death unto God. Therefore, his grace has given us a new identity, dead to sin and alive unto God. It is specifically the latter half of that identity, alive unto God, that gives us the capacity to therefore bring forth fruit unto holiness and the end of it be everlasting life. And it's when we bring forth this fruit unto holiness that we are going to be producing good works. Then we took that look at the second component of the recipe of good works, and that is the the mechanical means or our responsibility in the whole recipe. God has provided us his grace and his his new identity and then our part I should probably say this a little bit differently the second component of of God's grace to us is not only our new identity but the provision of his things that that he's going to instruct us in it's his word essentially that we have been given through the apostle Paul that we are going to mind and so it's his grace of our new identity that we're dead to sin and alive unto God it's the second matter of his grace his instruction his doctrine his words to us and then our part is that we mind them and we looked at that in Romans chapter 6 7 and 8 and especially there in chapter 8 where we are to walk after the spirit by virtue of minding the things of the spirit and there's things that the spirit has already done that we are to mind and there's things that the spirit further gives us on on the words of uh, on the words on the page through Paul's epistle in the order in which they're given that we are to mind therefore God's grace has provided us the means to produce good works a new identity his words, and when we mind those things, when we mind his words, it's going to not only renew our mind, 
but it's going to be his grace working in us and us responsibly taking that and producing a good work. Again, our new identity, dead to sin and alive unto God, gives us the capacity to bring forth fruit unto holiness and therefore a good work. The mechanical means of that is he's going to provide us his words, and when we mind them, we're going to walk after the Spirit and bear fruit of the Spirit, and therefore it's going to produce that good work. When we mind those things, our mind is going to be renewed, and the good work that we do in connection with it is going to be by his grace. It's going to be of his grace, and therefore it's going to produce a good work. And therefore it's his grace, us positively responding to it, that is going to produce this good work or good work. Now, the third thing, and what I want to do this week, is I want to take a look at the profitability of good works. We saw when we were back there in Titus chapter 3 that these good works that we ought to be careful to maintain is profitable and good unto men. But that's not the only profitability that's involved in good works. Now, there's many things that we can take a look at in the category or in the realm of the profitability of good works. And we briefly highlighted last time that simply the expression good work tells you that the work that you're going to be involved in or works that you're going to be involved in, which by the way, we're not going to be looking at the specific works that we're going to be involved in uh, during this time. And I don't even know if we're going to deal with it next week, maybe briefly highlight it. But the, the, the specific work and works that we're going to be involved in are good. And that good is not necessarily good in the eyes of men, or not firstly good in the eyes of men, but it's firstly good in the sight of God. That's what our concern ought to be. In other words, or to put it a different way, we can do things of the flesh that are good in the eyes of men, but not good in the eyes of God. And therefore, if we're judging our work based upon the measure of man's standards or men's commendation, we may be, and most likely are, deceived. And we are deceived in our wise deceits. Again, these good works are produced by His grace, by us minding the things of the Spirit. It's the Spirit's things in Paul's epistles that we are to mind and renew the mind and are not, that are, that are going to transform us and not conform us to this world. And therefore, our works, even though they may have a, a similarity or the work of it, the actual conduct and behavior, it may be similar to what the world can produce and offer, is different because of where it's being generated from. It's being generated from a renewed mind, not by the wisdom of this world. And it's when it's being generated from that renewed mind that it is good in the sight of God and it will be, in many of the works that were involved in, good unto men as well. Hence why Paul says to Titus, these things are good and profitable unto men. Now, some of the things that were involved in in connection with men that are good in the sight of God, that might not be good in the sight of men, are what is involved in our ambassadorship, sharing the ministry of reconciliation, the gospel of the grace of God, to the unjustified, to the unbelievers. That is a good work that we can be involved in. And although unbelievers may not view it as good, 
They might shun it and blaspheme and oppose it. They might reject it. However, unto God, it's good. And especially in light of them believing it, it would be therefore much more good or much more better and much more profitable. For when they believe it, that message that we have the privilege of sharing with them, they go from eternal damnation and condemnation to eternal life and peace with God. And therefore is very profitable unto them. There's other works that we're going to be involved in that look out for the welfare and well-being and goodness toward our fellow man, our fellow neighbor. And therefore, as we do that, that will be good and profitable unto them. They may not view it as good and profitable, but nevertheless, in God's sight, it is. With setting that aside, I want to look at another aspect of the profitability of good works. And I want to look at the profitability of good works in connection with the profit that is really unto us when we participate in good works. There's profitability in connection with the glory that we can uh, uh, produce unto God's glory. That when we participate in the good works that are produced from the Spirit's things as we mind them, that glory redounds to God. However, God has made it that as we participate in these good works, it, ju- it does just that. It redounds unto His glory. And that word redound signifies that it has an application first to the one in whom participating in the thing, and then secondarily unto God. So as it redounds unto his glory, it works for us something, and then God secondarily receives it. That's just the astounding and amazing and selflessness of God's grace. And it's that feature and characteristic of the profitability of good works that I want to take the rest of our time to look at. In fact, I quickly want to note that the good works that we're going to be involved in, because they're produced by God's grace, are going to profit others. And it's when we, when, when, when we are selfless and, and the word of God is instructing us and renewing our minds and we are being selfless towards others, that that is the profitability. And therefore, God will reward that with glory. Now, again, those are the things that I'm already thinking and I want to take the time and look at. So we'll probably have a few more weeks looking at this very issue. But this is an essential matter. This is this is this matter of good works is what the majority of Paul's epistles deals with. The cross work of the Lord Jesus Christ, that grace providing us not only justification unto eternal life, but sanctification unto functional life so that we can functionally live unto God. And when we functionally live unto God, we're going to be producing good works. And those good works have in view the profitability and the goodness of others in view. And when we have in view the goodness and profitability of others in view, God will glorify that. For God is glorified because of his selflessness that was fully manifest at Calvary. Well, 
before we do that, I want to look at, again, I want to look at the matter of the profitability that is really unto us, that God, in his grace, extends to us when we participate in these good works. Now, there's many passages that we're going to be taking a look at, but I want to develop this in starting at Romans chapter 8. Come with me to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to start in, let me get there, we're going to start in verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, and to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now he says here, we know that all things work together, and I believe we talked about this last time, simply the all things of life is going to work together with his word, his instruction, his doctrine, his curriculum that he has forged for us that's going to renew our mind, that's going to provide us things to mind, therefore renewing our mind, and producing the fruit and the holiness, therefore producing the good works. But notice, when he says here, In verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good. He's not necessarily describing that it's going to work for good in this life. In other words, if we were to look at the things that all things working together with his word are going to produce in this life, it's not necessarily looking at it outwardly. It would look good. In fact, he's going to He already has talked about in verse 18, the sufferings of this present time. We don't naturally look at sufferings as good. He's going to go down and start in verse 35. The tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, pearl, or sword that the adversary is going to bring against us when we participate in having all things work together for good, that we're going to be involved in the sufferings of Christ. And those don't naturally look to us as good. In fact, because they don't naturally look good to us, the Corinthians decide to get away from them, not participate in them, and instead follow the wisdom of the world, which looked better to them. And therefore, when he says all things work together for good, it's not necessarily talking about in this life. Now, there is profit in connection with this life, and again, another matter in which we can look at, but... My understanding of what he says there in verse 28 is that it works together for good and that good is specifically in regards to life that is to come. Because it is through this time, having what we're going to be involved in this life is all things working together with his word and it's going to work for us something future. And my understanding, the foundation of this verse is back there in Romans 6, really Romans 5. Look back at Romans 5, look at verse 17, when he's comparing Adam and Christ, he says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace, and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Specifically, eternal life, and the issue that we have the privilege of by his grace is to reign in that life. When he got to chapter 6, in verse 22, But now being made free from sin, become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness, and the end, everlasting life. The profitability of the things that we can be involved in now is mostly seen and had and manifest in the life that is to come. Look at Romans chapter 8, when he says here about being suffering with him, that we may be glorified together. Look at verse 17. And if children and heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, 
It shall be that we suffer with him. That's going to be now for the purpose of that we may be also glorified together. So that glorified together is in the future. Look at verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And he's going to talk about that glory, that glorified together with Christ, and the glory that's going to be revealed in us, that glory that the creature waits for in verse 19 is in connection with the redemption of our bodies. Look what he says here in verse 23, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to it, the redemption of our body. So the good that we can be participate in, or that all things work together for good, is in the life that is to come. So all that we've covered thus far, I can't believe my time's already up, is the profitability of the good works that we can participate in, and the life that now is, is going to be had in the life that is to come. He's going to go on and describe his purpose in verses 29 through 30 in connection with being conformed to the image of his son. He's predest- he's, he foreknew us, he predestinated us, he justified us, he glorified us for the purpose of having all these things work together for good, more glory. And we'll see that in next time's weekly wholesome words i apologize that i didn't get through much this week but nevertheless another brick to be laid in connection with the profitability of good works the profitability is going to be had and has held out to us in connection with the life that is to come we'll look at these things more next time until then look up thanks for joining pastor josh for this week's episode of weekly wholesome words Join him next week for another look into God's Word. Until next time, look up.